when the world's greatest athlete, Michael Jordan, teams up with the Come world's on, best Come on, and get into the space jam. <laughs> Here we go now. Here we go now. Here we go now. Ooh, and we back. And we back. Uh, I can explain what the hypeness is all about. I think everyone knows within this last week, if you, unless you've been under a rock or just got hit by a rock or are currently returning back from space, which what uh, Jeff Bezos was just doing, um, you already know that Space Jam 1 is uh back in session considering that uh we have already covered space jam 2 as well check out the review for that hey everybody welcome back to the lucky dog podcast this is your host elias roush this podcast is sponsored by eliasroushmedia.com photo video digital media production um so today we have Space Jam. Come on and jam and get into the. <laughs> so, um, anyways, Space Jam. Why are we talking about Space Jam? Like I said, the the second one was released last week on HBO Max in the U.S. and it's been released in theaters as well, depending on your situation with uh, COVID and if you're able to go to the theaters some people went and saw it in theaters some people saw it on hbo max i watched on hbo max uh wanted to um kind of revitalize myself so uh i went back and watched space jam so i watched space jam 2 first and then i watched space jam 1 um i had not seen space jam 1 in absolutely at least 10 15 years from my recollection, when I was uh, uh, teenage me, I wasn't like that keen on um, tons of sports movies. I wasn't keen on tons of uh, uh, Looney Tunes, especially. So put them together, and I was just like, I don't know if I'm about this. But coming back uh, as more of a critic and having a more of a critical eye on things. Um, I wanted to see what the difference was between Space Jam 2 and Space Jam 1. So without going into too many details or spoilers of the second movie, um, Space Jam 2 is almost a complete reduct of the first Space Jam, but in some lesser degrees in my opinion. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it up front that I think the first one is slightly more superior for a couple of reasons, but it could just come down to personal preference. I personally think um, the concept feels slightly more original, although you know that they're trying to kind of tail off of like a, a Roger Rabbit kind of thing, um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit movie. Um, and once again, that is a, an adult movie with cartoons in it, uh, debatably. So you can't, those are seriously kind of apples and oranges. Space Jam 1 is very much a family oriented film, and for the majority of it, give or take a couple of the jokes that don't exactly um, have the lasting power. But, anyways, I do feel Space Jam 1 um, is uh, slightly more superior because. Um, one, the concept does feel a little bit more, more original. I'm going to say, uh, the comedy, the, uh, uh, supporting cast. I even think Michael Jordan is actually a little bit better of an actor on screen. Um, I'm going to give credit to Martin Thomas. Martin Thomas on t Double Toasted said, uh, uh, 
Michael Jordan can act better in front of people and uh, LeBron James can act better in front of uh, tunes. And so going along with saying that, I think that, um, yes, there are like animation problems when it comes down to, you know, is Michael Jordan making eye contact and eyesight with the the tunes that are on screen? He's just like, what, 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 what's going on? You know, he <laughs> he's kind of a little bit out of it. And it's mostly because he probably wasn't acting against probably a real person. He might have been acting against like a like a tennis ball or something like that, whatever they do behind the screens. Um but anyways, I kind of wanted to uh, dissect what the difference was between the two movies. Very much from the story, they feel the same. Very much from uh, the technical side of uh, them them getting Michael Jordan to play the to play ball is not nearly as natural as. Uh, uh, Space Jam 2. I won't go into too many details, like I said, uh, what happens in Space Jam 2, but the reasoning of why they get to play basketball does uh, favor Space Jam 2. Um, but ultimately, uh, before we go into a really in-depth uh, degree of uh, review for this, Space Jam 1 feels like it has a more cohesive uh, campiness or feel about it. And it both allows the entire family to kind of access it, both from the comedy, both from understanding the jokes, understanding the characters. Um, even quick throwaway jokes are only like five seconds at max. I feel like they don't overstay their welcome. Along saying that the pacing in Space Jam 1 is superior um, I think Space Jam 2, Space, I keep saying Space Jam 2, it's Space Jam A New Legacy with LeBron James is approximately, uh, hour 15 minutes and, uh, as opposed to the 88 minute runtime on Space Jam 1, which is a no brainer. I mean, what is that? It's barely an hour 20 minutes ish with, um, with credits and all of that for, um, Space Jam, um. So yeah, Space Jam 2 does feel like it has a much longer pacing uh, that is entitled, that goes along with it. Um, the main difference I'm seeing is Space Jam 1. Space Jam 1 is all about selling um, uh, like corporate branding and their own, um, their own IP. And Space Jam 2 feels much more in the realm of sell all their ip it's all about the warner brothers ip it's all about bring all the characters we need everyone you know um gary oldman style uh yeah they they have warner brothers has uh, an immense catalog of characters and space jam 2 is all about just shoving every single one of them in there to remind you that you got to get some hbo max on your plate um I'm not here to say you don't need HBO Max um, or you do need HBO Max, but what I'm saying is um, it feels so much like they're curtailing everything in Space Jam 2 to just say, these are all of our characters. We're going to put them in the movie whether they uh, are, you know, are relevant or not. And I definitely feel like Space Jam 1, even though they, in both ways, they kind of quote-unquote sell out to an extent. It's not like Space Jam 1. Space Jam 1 has like an entire line where Wayne Knight is like, uh, he, he gives like five or six different um 
uh he, he gives he's like do you want to go to uh you want to put your nikes on and go to burger king and grab a, a whopper and then on the way do, you know do something he says like five or six different corporations on the way oh oh do you want to eat your wheaties on the way to while wearing your nikes to go get a burger king or something like that and it feels like so much more self-aware about being um shameless ripping off the uh corporate not 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 even shameless ripping off corporations but it's just like it feels just like Yes, there's going to be corporations that want their name in front of all of this. Yes, there wants to be Coca-Cola, Pepsi, all these brands want to be in front of Michael Jordan. Um, I think it was Coca-Cola in this one. Um, but anyways, it's just like it felt like, yes, it was shameless. It was shameless branding for the corporations. But I kind of liked the shameless branding to the corporations. I um, Everybody knew that it's this big uh, ramp up of having, you know, live action plus uh sports plus the, the Warner Brothers IP it's it's a very exciting thing the thing i do like about the the first one again um right before we finish this is is kind of how they make fun of jordan so finishing off the the corporation stuff yes it's quick throwaway stuff that didn't necessarily bother me yes they would linger a little bit on McDonald's fries beside a tele- television a little bit extra long you know big whoop for me i didn't that didn't really bother me as much you know shameless uh, corporate branding or short corporate advertising. Um, and then we have, uh, I think when someone falls through uh, a hole in Looney world, Looney tunes world, they make a Nike check sign. And it's just like stuff like that. It's just like, okay, I understand that's, uh, as a, as a kid, I don't think any of that is going to, you know, stick in their minds at all until they're older. So from a standpoint of, is it's a, if, if it's a kid's movie, yeah, keep on, you know, understand you got to make your money somehow. Um, so, yeah, it, my, my biggest problem between the two movies was the second one didn't feel like it was as natural um, when it came to showing all the different IPs and kind of blending them together. Some of it felt just like, we got to do it now. This is how we got to do it. We only have time to... We have... 200 characters and we only have this many minutes so we got to shove them all in no matter what so let's talk about space jam let me get a little bit of coffee so i hope that was kind of a a better breakdown i al- i also think that the way that they're able to kind of uh, introvertly look into Michael Jordan and LeBron James's careers as famous basketball stars, I do like how they are kind of riding the coattails of these NBA stars. That you know, it, the movies wouldn't work with them. You can't just like replace them with someone else, or unless they're like an NBA star to that degree. Um, I especially liked Jordan's. Um, Space Jam. I like this movie a little bit better because they kind of are able to pick at his his inability to play uh, baseball um, to an extent. You know, I didn't really do too much uh, research into Michael Jordan's baseball career, but uh, they did an excellent job hyping him up in Space Jam as a basketball player, but also doing a really great job at kind of... um, looking at his career as a baseball player and able to for him to make fun of himself in that degree even make a movie about it with these looney tunes it's like um that's kind of bold you know let me get a little uh, a little coffee 
<laughs> okay, so I hope that was a kind of a good introduction for everybody. Um, let me see what we have. <laughs> So, Space Jam is a 1996 American semi-biographical live-action slash animated sports comedy film directed by Joe Pitka and uh, starring basketball player Michael Jordan. This film presents a fictionalized uh, account of what happened between Jordan's initial retirement from uh, the NBA in 1993 and his 1995 comeback in which he is enlisted by the Looney Tunes to help him win a basketball game match against a group of aliens who intend to enslave them as attractions for their theme park. And once again, these aliens are in space, like phys like literal space. They're not in like Looney Tunes space. So it's kind of interesting how they, they, they come down. And I'll explain in more detail, I guess, when the, we break it down about how they enter the stratosphere or whatever the hell <laughs> it's crazy so uh wayne knight uh teresa randall appearing in supporting roles while billy uh west uh, d bradley baker and kath saucy saucy and dana devito headlined the voice cast we know d bradley baker longtime voice actor from uh avatar among many other roles um yeah, he was in SpongeBob, Code Name, Kansas Next Door, Steven Universe, uh, Gravity Falls, Phineas and Ferb, Ben 10, American Dad. Uh, it, the list goes on. The dude never stops. Um, so he's getting that Space Jam money. Okay. Um, Space Jam was the first feature film to be produced by Warner Brothers Feature Animation, animation and was released theatrically in the United States on November 15th, 1996. It definitely feels like it should be a... a uh, not a Christmas movie, but like uh, a winter movie, fall movie. Good time to place it because that gives all that time in the uh, December time and to to for all these people to watch it. The film was a box office success, grossing over two hundred and fifty million worldwide, becoming the highest grossing basketball film of all time, as well as the tenth highest grossing film of ninety six. I'm surprised it actually didn't get higher. I bet if it was released in a proper time today, it definitely would have got higher. Considering it's like it's sports and it's family. Kids love repeating watching the same thing. So all these Disney models, all these uh, HBO models that have these movies and shows, specifically movies that you can rewatch, they're going to kill it um, because they just love rewatching the shit. Um, and it doesn't make sense for parents to pay that many times. So um, initially it received mixed reviews from critics who were divided on the out of space, uh, out of place merits, uh, sorry, not out of space, out of place merits and the concept of combining Jordan with his profession with the Looney Tunes characters. Although the technical achievements of blending of live action and animation, such as in the basketball scenes, were praised. I, I actually thought the animation blending worked pretty well once the basketball started. Um, considering it was a an interesting blend of like 2D and 3D, I believe. With like CGI 
mixed into it. It's 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 a whole mat, uh, like smorgasbord of thing. If if I said mess, it would sound like it's bad. I don't think it's necessarily bad. It's some of a, a lot of the animation does not age well, especially the body horror stuff that happens to the supporting cast and some of the the main cast. But you know, it's it was the mid '90s when they were doing this, so. So I looked at this director, and I wasn't too familiar with this director. I had never heard of him, and it's because he's a music video director as well as like a, a really known for noteworthy commercials. He has tons of awards for different DGA uh, uh, nominations, uh, Screen Guilds Awards, Art Directors Awards. This dude has a lot of stuff, and it's interesting that he has such a small span of featured films. All I'm seeing on here is... Um, 96 1996 of space jam being his second feature film starring michael jordan his first one was uh let it ride in 89 his first film starring richard dreyfus and robbie coltrane i haven't heard it, heard that one too much uh so i'm not really sure if it was praised or not um but yeah he this dude's uh um he is uh, a commercial guy. He, I was very surprised to see that this would be the guy hired to do this kind of level of work. I mean, you know, that's that's intense. Yeah. Hire a guy that does, you know, normally commercials to hire an animation slash uh, sports movie slash show all your IPs in one movie. You're gonna hire that guy? It's like, oh my gosh, put give him give him him the rain the keys to the park or whatever. Um. But anyways, uh, Michael Chapman was the uh, cinematographer, um, mostly known for... Oh, he's on Ghostbusters 2. He probably did. I wonder if he did Ghostbusters 1. I don't see Ghostbusters 1. But um, he was the um, cinematographer on Taxi Driver, cinematographer Raging Bull. Yeah, he's worked with Scorsese a lot. Um, he was with Ivan Reitman on 89's uh, Ghostbusters 2, Kindergarten Cop. That was another Reitman um, movie, Six Days, Six Nights. So he, this must be a Reitman favorite. Um, also, Fugitive. He was the Fugitive uh, cinematographer. That's interesting that this guy did this. It's, it's such an interesting blend of people behind the scenes on this. Um, and, uh, yeah, Sheldon Kahn, the uh, editor, known for best known for Over the Cougar's Nest, Over the One flew over the cuckoo's nest we have talked about that in the reviews go back and check that out yeah so like i said 88 minute runtime that this movie breezes by it feels like a really extensive or it feels like a how a disney movie used to feel back in the day you know they used to be about an a slightly over an hour it felt like a really more expensive television show to an extent but this is this is like really fucking expensive so for back in the day they just gave this guy the 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 keys to the IPs, and they said, we're going to give you $80 million? $80 million? Holy shit, dude. They really trusted this guy. So with $80 million, they brought back $250 million worldwide. So I'd say that it was pretty much a success despite the critical response. So, um, yeah, that is pretty much the spoiler free review um there will be a condensed review for everybody on youtube and on the non-patreon side but thank you for listening watching lucky doll podcast i'd give this movie about a seven out of ten um mostly because i think this uh soundtrack is superior i mean they got 
they got the bangers. They got some of the most memorable songs. They are kind of rooted in like the nine, the the mid nineties. But I'll, I gotta say, I can't remember any songs on Space Jam: A New Legacy. Maybe if I go back and listen to it, I I will. But I've already listened to the intro song that they have at uh, at this. Uh, I just it, I can't get it like out of my head. It's just it's just like a banger. You know, it's a fucking banger. So, uh, James Newton Howard did excellent job on the music on here. Let's hop into the spoiler section. Be sure to check out luckydogpodcast.com for all the links, all the spoilers, all the, all the good stuff, all the library stuff, all the Patreons, all the stuff. Um, you can check out the, uh, description below as well. And I gotta say thank you to everyone who has been subscribing to the Lucky Dog Podcast. We cannot expand this podcast without your help every single subscription helps or every single follow what do they call youtube things now every single one of them helps every single one of you that are supporting even commenting helps thank you i really appreciate it and we could not do this without you um let me see if i can see if i yes and so that was uh that's about it for the spoiler free section and we are hopping into the spoiler section of space jam uh number one what is a space jam 96 sorry i'm trying to line up my Line up where we're at, where we're at. Okay, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so we are in the spoiler section for Space Jam 1996. Uh, oh, whoops. Need to... All right, we are, yes, now, now we are, now we are in the spoiler section, my friends, for Space Jam 1996. Here's the plot. In 1973, a young Michael Jordan tells his father, James R. Jordan Sr., that he wants to go to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill to play in the championship team then go to the national basketball association i gotta say this kind of cool because my dad actually went there didn't play basketball but he went to uh, chapel hill a complication of highlights from jordan's basketball career which includes highlights from high school college the 1984 and the 1992 olympics and the chicago pools is followed by an excerpt um, from the 1993 press conference in which Jordan announces his retirement from professional basketball to pursue a career in baseball in which Jordan is popular but less skilled. So this is kind of uh, the first maybe 10, 10, 12 minutes of the movie and we get a great little summation of what's going on. It might not even be the first 10 minutes. It might even be less than that. Um, I love uh, 
the determination on young Michael Jordan's care, uh, young Michael Jordan's um, face. Uh, this little kid that plays young Jordan is uh, he, he's a cute kid, and he definitely uh, embodies young Jordan. Uh, what's his name? Brandon Hammond. Um, and I wonder if he ended up doing anything else after this, because this kid seemed like he was a pretty good actor. Um, but I, I liked young Michael Jordan, and I loved it. I loved how they implemented that he was going to do you know do all of this and he is also talking about you know being the best being determined and impossibly even following his father's i think his father's footsteps in baseball i'm um, i'm guessing his uh yes yeah, uh, let me see uh, yeah i'm guessing that he followed his fa- he was trying to follow his father in baseball let me see i think he was a big baseball fan i'm not sure if he was actually baseball player someone someone's gonna rip me a new one for not knowing all this but uh remember if i'm getting anything wrong be sure to say in the comments uh what the actual uh yeah hold on the jordans left their children and with jordan senior's mother so that he could retrieve mechanics and GI Bill. No, I don't think he was a baseball player. He was a lifelong base basketball fan. Okay. He's also a very big baseball fan, having gone semi-pro himself. Okay, so he did go semi-pro. Okay, so I found it. Don't don't everyone don't rip me a new one. I I wanted to find that because I know someone's gonna be like, what the fuck are you gonna do a fucking Space Jam review and not even know what the fuck. <laughs> so um yeah the uh the entire intro with young michael jordan um uh having this determination and already talking about this is all the things he's gonna do i was like damn he's gonna do it and then they do this little montage in the same style as um the second movie does but um i will say i think this one slaps a little bit hard because this freaking song is just fucking dank i would play it if i could didn't get a slap for a uh, a copyright um, suit, but I've been boogieing to it. I've been replaying it all freaking last three days since I've seen this first movie. Um, I was like, y'all didn't tell me this first one had such bangers on there. I was like, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not so crazy about the R. Kelly, but let, you know, some of these things, you know, got seal on there. I was like, this is this is some good sheet. All right, so um, yeah, I liked how this movie was able to be kind of intro introspective about Michael Jordan's career, and I I really applauded how much they put his actual uh, real life kind of hooked it on this movie, um, very much in the same way as you know the second one does, um. Meanwhile, in outer space, the museum park, Moron Mountain faces a decline. Its owner, Mr. Swackhammer, sends his uh, diminutive minions, the Nerdlux, to Earth to abduct the Looney Tunes in order to develop new attractions. I'm going to say right off the bat, kind of doing the comparison with the first and second one, I'm not too crazy on the lug nuts or what, what the, the Nerdlux. Um and uh the aliens from outer space they just kind of feel slightly more generic for me um than don Cheadle in the second one but that's just me um again i you know i i you know results may vary depend on who you are um they just kind of felt more generic to me let me see who we got less personality you know no one's you know fall for that or anything like that so um 
so let me see. Upon the Nerdlux arrival, Bugs Bunny and the other Looney Tunes take advantage of the Nerdlux's small stature and challenge them to a game of basketball. Oh wait, sorry. Did I did I miss something? Oh no, no, I did because they they they're told by Danny DeVito as an alien that the Looney Tunes they need to be abducted by the uh, by them and whatnot. So they they're like, all right, the way that we're gonna challenge you to see if you're gonna abduct us is through a basketball game, and they realize that is because the aliens are small as in stature and they're not gonna be able to you know shoot the hoops, I guess. So, anyways, um, through a documentary. Uh, of basketball, the Nerdlux learned that the sport's best players are employed by the NBA and uh, accept the proposal. The Nerdlux go around various basketball games in the in the USA, stealing the talents of the NBA players Charles Barkley, Sean Bradley, Patrick Ewing, Larry Johnson, and Muggsy Bowes, and soon transform themselves into large, muscular, talented basketball playing. Monstars, whom Sylvester dubs Monstars, or Monsters, who Sylvester dubs as Monstars, um, easily intimidating the uh, tunes and prompting bugs to seek professional help. So that's kind of a mouthful, but that's uh, the antagonist and their motivations and what's going on there. Uh, I did enjoy, I just enjoyed the comedy of how they were taking... um, taking the powers or the talent of Charles Barkley and and gang uh all these basketball players i thought them you know acting like they're you know doing all this craziness i thought that shit was funny i it it made me laugh and they all were just kind of like acting like they can't they're not great actors but it's it's kind of that which makes it even more funny um so it's like they're getting like their talent absorbed, and like and they're going to like see therapists and see see uh, uh, crystal ball uh, mind readers and shit like that. It, it's it's funny as hell. I I think that all, most of their scenes are pretty funny, and as long as you know that they're you know they are basketball players and they're not really that great actors, I think that you can go in there laughing. So um, while golfing. With Bill Murray, Larry Bird, and his personal assistant, Stan Podolak, who is uh, played by Wayne Knight, Wayne Knight um, Jordan is suddenly lassoed down a hole into the Looney Tunes world. Now, I'm now just seeing what this is right now. So much of this movie works for me because these characters are... These real life people are playing themselves. They, they, these people aren't really playing actors. You know, Bill Murray is playing Bill Murray. Larry's playing Larry. Personal assistant Stan Podolak, Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight always plays Wayne Knight. He's always falling all over the place. And the night was the '90s. Everyone was making fun of him because he was fat. Um, it's like, uh, it's like he played the same guy. It's like they're all playing. Everyone is like a character actor. Even Michael Jordan's playing himself mostly to a degree, with the exception of his estate. My God, that was such a... He's staying in like a four, $400,000 house at max, and he's definitely got like mansions. Yeah. Um, we're not going to go there. But um, 
let me see, let me see. So Jordan is lassoed down a hole and into the Looney Tunes world. Um, kind of unex- unexplaining anything. And I definitely think the way that they enter the Looney Tunes world in the second one is way more superior. I'm just going to say that right off the bat because it, it kind of doesn't make sense. In both movies, they don't question it, really. They're just like, what? what's going on? Oh, okay, I'm a Looney Tunes. Yeah, it's, it's, what the heck's going on? Um, so Bugs explains the situation to Jordan whom Hope is placed on as one of the best players in the world. Jordan reluctantly agrees to play after a confrontation with the monsters, insults his pride, (laughs) and organizes the Toons into a team, the Toon Squad. It's like, Jordan, I know that he's not like the best actor. I know all of that stuff, but it's like, he doesn't really like react that much to like being in a tune world you wouldn't be like freaking out like uh, you would if i was the director i'd be like all right jordan you gotta feel like you gotta show me the reaction you would have if you thought you were tripping balls and you saw a real life tune animal like you are on acid or something like that you're like, what? What? what who what oh basketball well man, i'm pretty good at that man like he he doesn't really like he, he might he might say where am I like once or twice and be like boo you know he he doesn't ask like where's the bathroom or how do I eat or <laughs> he just like accepts everything that's going on maybe that's just me that just like need to know these like small fine details uh, and like like how are you breathing what's going on <laughs> I got 110 questions immediately as he enters this world none of them are answered maybe one <laughs> um. A female bunny named Lola, who Bugs falls in love with, is added to the team thanks to her talents. Um, So we can talk a little bit about the Lola dynamics. I've heard that Lola was put into the Space Jam, or I don't, I guess this is the first time she was introduced um, to, was this the first time she was ever introduced? She's generally depicted as Bugs. Yeah, she. This is the first time she was depicted uh, in Warner Brothers. Okay, so so I heard that she was portrayed as this, you know, super anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic female rabbit, so that it would quote unquote balance off the fact that Bugs Bunny goes around dressing like a, a transvestite and kisses gay, uh, sorry, kisses men all the time. Uh, they didn't want to imply or something that, you know, well, God forbid, Bugs is gay, you know. So they have to make him ultra straight by having him nearly have a bust one every time Lola walks in the door. So they even say it here. A female bunny named Lola, whom um, Bugs falls in love with, is added to the team thanks to her talents. Um, Jordan sends Bugs and Daffy Duck back to his house to obtain his basketball gear. When they arrive, Bugs and Daffy meet Jordan's dog and kids and are later seen by Stan. Um, yeah, so the kids run into the, the, uh, Looney Tunes, you know, they're totally cool with, you know, where their dad is. It's all cool. You know, your dad's going to play for the, the cartoons. It's all good. You know, something like that. And, uh, then they're off. I mean, the kids are just like, bah! <laughs> uh, all right, don't don't question anything. That's that's kind of the name of the game of this movie. Don't question anything. 
So, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was funny that Jordan sends Bugs and Daffy back to his house. It's like, he can't come back. I guess you can't leave, Jordan. You can't leave Toon, Toon World. I don't know. The, the logistics of this stuff just drive me up the wall. I, I, I don't even know why I even, I even tried to, like, think about the logistics of a Toon World. Whatever. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, um, yeah, so they meet. Jordan's dog and kids, and that dog has some terrible CGI. I, there's no reason to even have this dog in this movie. This dog has like a dog cam, and it's like trying to like lick Jordan in the beginning of the movie, and it's like just kind of like a setup for a little bit later for when Daffy's there, and it it, it looks like this terrible cutout green screen of a dog with uh, an animated you know Daffy Duck looking at him. It's like, <laughs> it was like okay. This is not necessary. I, I can. I. It's for the kids, I guess. All right, whatever. Um, you know, it's that type of comedy. You know, uh, slapstick. So let me see what's going on. Let me see what's going on. Okay, so yeah, Bugs and Daffy meet Jordan's dog and kids, and are later seen by Stan Wayne Knight who follows them back to the cartoon world and joins the team as well. It's hilarious because they keep showing Stan, like, trying to find uh, Michael Jordan in, in this golf course. And uh, Bill Murray and Larry Bird, their side conversations when they're leaving that initial time when they're with them earlier in that day, because I think this all happens in, like, one day. Um it's funny as hell. It's like Bill Murray's like talking about how, how weird Wayne Knight is and whatnot. It's just like unnecessary to an extent, but it's still, you know, fucking hilarious. So Wayne Knight uh, initially follows follows them and um, uh, follows them back to the Toontown. And what do we have? Follows him back to the cartoon world and joins the team as well. It doesn't question how he got there. Just, all right, he's there. Meanwhile, the sudden impact, sorry, incapacity of the uh, five NBA players leads to worldwide panic that the results in the season being suspended indefinitely. Um, I thought this was insane how they were kind of treating this. Not like it was like ridiculous, but how much and how like how close it felt like to how they had the protocols for the coronavirus in, in, in the NBA last March when people were getting sick and whatnot in the NBA and kind of how they're doing now, it's just like, they're, they're just act. They didn't know what they're getting sick with. They're getting sick unexplainably. They are having these weird symptoms. They even go to the extent of having like masks on at one point and, and they're shutting the NBA down. I was like, Oh shit, this is the fucking virus. You know, it's the fucking Looney Tunes. They're coming back. <laughs> I was like, cheat. So, um, I was just like blown away by that, by how that felt so relatable in a way. So, um, you know, Space Jam saw the pandemic happen first. Um, the players try to restore their skills through various methods, including practice, hospitalization, therapy, and prayer, all no, all to no uh, avail. Um, so none of it works. And like I said, I think all of these side montages with the NBA players are pretty damn funny. It might go on a little bit too long. And as long as you are still with their kind of, you know, okay acting, I think it's good. Uh, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. Which is something I felt like we didn't get in the second movie. I'm just going to say. 
The game between the Toon Squad and the Monstars eventually begin, but the Monstars uh, dominate the first half, sinking the Toon Squad's morale. Um, and yeah, what does the Toon Squad get like one time to really do everything? They didn't really get that much time to practice, to be honest. And they're not cheating like these aliens are doing, my lord. Um, Stan overhears how the Monstars obtain their talent and informs Jordan and the Toons. Um, and I guess that really doesn't matter too much. But I thought those aliens were going to like beat the shit out of them. I mean, they kind of do. They like... He comes in like exploded. I thought like Wayne Knight had died when he walks in with the tunes. He's like, <gasps> you know, like hey, it was it was done. So um, thank goodness they didn't actually kill him. So what do they have? Uh, using a special plan, Bugs and Jordan rally the tune squad, and the team dominates most of the second half using old-school gags and Acme weaponry. The cool thing about the Space Jam uh, basketball games, I'll say both in the first and the second one, without even going into too many spoilers, is that they're using the types of animation and the types of uh, gags that they have in the TV shows. So when they show the Roadrunner and the Coyote kind of doing their own thing, um, uh, you know, they're doing their going fast and one of them's lighting up Acme stuff and people are blow things are blowing up. The aliens are blowing up, doing all these crazy montages of things. Like I honestly can't even it, with these cartoon physics and things going on. Everything's like uh, curtailed to the things that they would be uh I guess they they would be doing, you know, I guess like grandma, grandma was like, you know, could be like knitting or something like that. I don't think grandma plays in this movie, but in the second movie, uh, you know, it's it's the things that they are they're well known for. You know, Bugs Bunny will do something with a fucking carrot, you know, say, what's up, doc? They all have to say their their uh, the catchphrases and stuff like that. Nothing wrong with that. I do like how they use their old school gags, though. Um, you know, they'll jump in a cannon and, you know, blow up and, you know, shoot it, shoot it in the thing. It's just like, um, random things like that. Um, that, you know, they get to use the gags. And as long as the gags don't last too long, I think that's what works. Um, during a timeout, Jordan raises the stakes with Swackhammer. Uh, a win by the Toon Squad would require the Monstars returning their stolen talents. Um, while a win by the Monstars would allow Swackhammer um, to make Jordan a new attraction for Moron Mountain for the rest of his life. And once again, why would Jordan say yes to this? I don't know why. He just is like, oh, yeah, I'm best in the world. His, his pride gets gets the best of him. It'd be like, did you even think about this? Do you even know how to eat in this world? <laughs> and uh, once again, um, everyone is in this basketball arena. Um, two things. It's a bunch of the IPs and some of the most notable, you know, uh, IPs in uh, Warner Brothers that are in the crowd, um, both and one and two, and for kind of no reason, to be honest, but to just kind of like be there and say, "Oh, look at the, look who's there, look who's there, look who's there," you know. Um, and so, um, yeah, with saying that, I don't know why why Jordan would <clears throat> would ever uh, allow this. So, um, oh yeah, uh, Bugs Bunny also had that, uh, special water they was getting everybody. It was, like, supposed to be, like, steroids of some sort, but, you know, it just happened to be, like, Gatorade water or something like that. Kind of 
didn't really matter. It was, it was all in your head, you know? Um, Swaghammer orders the Monstars to win the game by any means necessary. And they're already cheating like hell. Um, they subsequently begin playing even dirtier and rougher against the Toon Squad than before, leaving most of them injured or unable to continue. Um, oh, yeah, and like Tasmanian Devil doing shit. <laughs> Uh, don't ask me to do that again. <laughs> um, with 10 seconds left in the game, the Toon Squad are down by one point and one point only. And once again, these points are just like, ding, 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 You know, the, both sides, I feel like they just, random numbers. It's like, all right, 43 to 43, 103, 103, 1,000 to 1,003. It doesn't matter. Um, so, uh... With 10 seconds left in the game, the Toon Squad are down by one point and one player with only Jordan, Bugs, Lola, Daffy still able to play. Um, Murray unexpectedly arrives and is recruited to fill the spot. In the final seconds, Jordan gains the ball with Murray's help but is pulled back by the Monstars. And I think it's hilarious how they brought Bill Murray just back for this, like, like this one scene. And he's very blunt about how he got back in the movie. He's like, yeah, I'm friends with the producers. Fuck it. I don't give a shit. I'm, I'm here for two days. <laughs> Let me get a check. Um, remembering the advice from... And apparently he's a big Chicago fan based on what Martin Thomas said. So, um, re Remembering advice from Bugs, he uses cartoon physics to extend his arm and dunk the ball, winning the match with a buzzer beater. After watching... Swackhammer admonish admonish the monsters for the loss. Jordan helps them realize that they only listened to him because they were smaller. The monsters encase Swackhammer in a missile and send them back to the amusement park. And giving up their stolen talent, the nerdlocks are recruited into the Looney Tunes ensemble and drop off Jordan at his next baseball game it's great i i thought it was crazy how they even came back to the baseball game i was like this is this is pretty remarkable how they still sticking with the baseball later jordan revisits the incapacitated baseball players uh, and returns their talent to which the baseball which sorry to which the basketball players convince a reluctant jordan into participating in a three-on-three -three match two years later in 1995, Jordan returns to the Chicago Bulls to resume his basketball career. He's back, baby. And that is Space Jam. Come on and jam and get into the Space Jam. Come on and turn and get into the Space Jam. Sorry. Um, yeah, 1996. Thank you for watching, listening, Look at our podcast. You know what to do. Check out YouTube. Check out Twitch. Check out all the Instagrams. Check it out. Check out all the social medias. More importantly, check out LuckyDogPodcast.com for all the reviews and all the links and all that good stuff. Let me know how I can improve. Let me know if I fuck something up in the comments. Let me know if I'm boring as hell. Just oh fucking get the fuck out of here. You know. Um, no, try to give me some critical reviews. Um, about how I can get better and whatnot. I try to, you know, be engaging for everybody and keep it, you know, to a level that everybody's, you know, like, come on and jam and get into the space jam. Come on and... Oh, anyways. Um, and, uh, of course, be sure to check out um, uh, Lucky Dog Podcast, everything you can. Um, 
anything else I can let me see this got a 6.5 out of 10 like I said it would, I think it would be about a 7 out of 10 um, slightly superior to the second one and uh, let me see if there's any um, any cool IMDb facts real quick I can give okay so let me see let me see uh, okay, so when Stanley comes up in the Michael's hotel room and says, come on, Michael, it's game time. Slip on your Hanes, lace up your Nikes, take your Wheaties and your Gatorade, and we'll grab a Big Mac on the way to the ballpark. <laughs> All those things were products that Michael Jordan had been a spokesman for around that time. Okay, so that was him. Okay, so we'll do one or two more. Um, so, yeah, the original promotional website is still there. Uh, exactly as it appeared in 1996. However, it changed to promote the second one. Uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy, 2021. Boo, bring back the old one. Um, Michael Jordan actually wore his North Carolina Tar Heel college basketball shorts under his Chicago Bulls uh, uniform every game as a good luck charm. Boo. <laughs> I think they, they talked about that, but it was like, duh. Can we get some fresh ones, man? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, um... This is kind of cool. When flying towards Moron Mountain, the monolith from 2001, a space odyssey can be seen at a very right corner edge of the screen floating in space near a red planet. Hmm, didn't know that. Um, and, uh, you know, there's tons of other cool stuff that you can find on there. Um, Bill Murray, who stands at 6'2", joked about how he felt punny around uh, Michael Jordan and Larry Bird, who were 6'6 six, six and 6'9", six, respectively. Good Lord. Talk about flying problems <laughs> i guess if you got mean dollars you ain't got flying problems oh gosh all right y'all take it easy and get into the space jam come on it man and get into the space jam 